Yo, what is good, folks? It's your boy, Sports PSP. Good morning. Hope everyone is enjoying a fantastic day. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. Uh, today's episode of Commander's Demand, I'm just going to talk about my post-game reaction about the Commanders versus Eagles game and a lot that transpired in yesterday's game. So please stay tuned because Commander's Demand starts right now. You're watching Commander's Demand with your host, Sports PSP, exclusively on the Grid Network. Hey folks, good morning. It's your boy Sports PSP. Um, again, welcome to another episode of Commander's Demand. Also, before I get on and discuss the game, please also make sure you like and subscribe to the Grid Network as well as Sports PSP. Go check out my content on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, wherever social media I'm at, as well as the Grid Network. So folks, uh, I had a wonderful weekend, you know, I was chilling, hanging out with my friends, uh, hanging out at my friend's house, watching the rest of the game. Even though the team, the commanders lost to the Philadelphia Eagles, and it was a tough loss, though, because at one point we had a 10 point lead. I think we were up 17 to seven in the second quarter. It was hard. It was a really hard game to stomach because of what transpired. And here are my takes from the game, from what I witnessed in that game. First, let's talk about some of the good before we get into the bad. Sam Howell, man, he played like an absolute warrior in that game. There is no question in my mind Sam Howell played amazing. If I had to grade his performance, I would give it an A. Because, I mean, the stats show it. I mean, he was 29 to 41 for 290 yards. He had one touchdown pass that tied the game, um, that put it 31-30 um, Philadelphia. And I'll talk about the other things in just a second. But what I loved about Sam Howell, his resiliency. He hanged in. He played like a warrior. He did everything he possibly could to help the commanders win. Not only throwing the football, he did a very good job spreading the football, but also his legs, how he was able to get first downs with his legs, the 20-yard long run. He, had, oh, he also had six carries for 40 yards, and averaging 6.7 yards a carry. He also had a QBR in that game of 76.4. Sam Howell played well enough in order for the commanders to win the game. Um, he hanged in. He played tough. He, he was tough as nails, man. And especially in that last possession, you, can't, you cannot ask anything more from your young quarterback, who, mind you, is in his first year as a starter. That drive that led to... Um, 
31-31 to put it to overtime. You can't ask more from Sam Howell. He made smart decisions, good decisions. I mean, yes, there were times that the offensive line didn't do its part in protecting him, but he was able to pick himself back up and he showed everyone that he is a competent quarterback in the NFL. He's also proving me wrong that perhaps he's a guy that we can build around or we can look forward to. Because I've been on the record saying that the commanders should tank the rest of the season to try to get their hands on Caleb Williams. That's not going to happen. Sam Howell has proven me that he's a competent quarterback in the NFL, quality quarterback. Do I think he'll be a generational, once-in-a-lifetime quarterback? No, I'm not going to do that to him. But what I see in Sam Howell is a competent quarterback who, if you can give him a little bit more help, you got to give him an offensive line, man. Right now, and even though some of it is also on him, he's been sacked 24 times this season. He leads the NFL for quarterbacks and sacks. He's the most sacked quarterback in the NFL right now. And Washington's offensive line, once after this season is over, they got to address it, whether in the draft or free agency. But overall, I was impressed with Sam Howell with his decisions. He made some really good throws. He was able to show off his legs. He played his ass off and he fought. He fought and he did what he could. So I'll give Sam Howell kudos for that. <sighs> My other takes from the game. Now, on the bad side. Washington's defense has been pitiful. No question, no doubt about it. Their defense so far this season has not has been playing bad. The past three games, we've given up 30 points or more. We gave up like 33 points against um, the Denver Broncos. We gave up 30 points to the Buffalo Bills offense, and we gave up 34 points against the Philadelphia Eagles. I also want to read this stat going back to 2022. This is according to Pro Football Reference. These are the commander's stats from last season. In 2022, Washington's defense was seventh. They were seventh in the NFL in team defense. They were fourth in the NFL in passing defense. They were 11th in rushing defense and 7th in scoring defense, according to Pro Football Reference. Let me read you some of the stats for the Washington Commanders in defense this season because it's nothing compared to what we saw last season, even though it's only been four games so far. In team defense this season, team defense, Washington is 30th in the NFL in team defense. Only two teams in the NFL are worse in team defense than the Washington Commanders. Number one is the Denver Broncos, and number two, the Chicago Bears. In passing defense, Washington is 20th in the NFL. 20th in the NFL. 
Washington in rushing defense is 22nd in the NFL. And in scoring defense, Washington is 29th in the NFL. Only the Denver Broncos, Chicago Bears, and the New York Giants have a worse scoring defense in the NFL. And if you look at us right now, we are the fourth worst team in the NFL in giving up points. Denver has given up, Denver's defense has given up the most points this season so far with 37 and a half. Next is the Chicago Bears at 34.3. The Giants defense at 32.7. Washington has given up 30 points on defense this season. That is unacceptable. It's unacceptable because we are coming off a terrible season. Uh, we were coming off a great season defensively last year. A great season. And hold on. Let me get into the defense in just a second. I want to read some comments. Carving it up with Bryson. Appreciate uh, appreciate um, Bryson. And also go check out his podcast later today. Hal was excellent yesterday. Couldn't agree more. And Patrick, shout out to Patrick on the grid. I honestly thought Washington was going to hand Philly their first loss. Yeah, I, I really thought they were. Uh, it was a really close game. But um, back to the defense. Washington's defense has just been bad this season. 30 points a game we're giving up this season. We're not doing our part on getting after the quarterback. And again, folks, Washington, our defensive line should be in the uh, – we have as good – as a defensive line as we have in the NFL with Deron Payne, with Jonathan Allen, with Montez Sweat and Chase Young. We have excellent players on our D line. And, but, but, but our problem though, however, is our secondary. And our secondary so far, it is it, just been bad. It's just been really really bad. It's really hard to actually watch this defense. Now, look, Emmanuel Forbes, he was going up against A.J. Brown, one of the top 10 receivers in the NFL. Emmanuel Forbes, needless to say, yesterday, he had a, he had a long, hard day. I mean, because when you look at A.J. Brown, nine catches, 175 yards, two touchdowns, um, it was an awful lot for Emmanuel Forbes to take. What I also have a problem with with Emmanuel Forbes, and again, it has nothing to do with him personally, I, I, it still goes back to that draft. We actually, the commanders, actually had a chance to draft Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. And Christian Gonzalez so far this season has been playing exceptional. He's in the conversation as far as with rookie of the year or defensive rookie of the year. And one of the concerns that I had with Emmanuel Forbes was his size. You know, he's a skinny dude going up against a big physical wide receiver 
and A.J. Brown. And there were times A.J. Brown beat him, had enough separation to outrun Emmanuel Forbes. And the concern that I have with Emmanuel Forbes and Washington secondary, it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. So there's got to be some major changes with our secondary. I'm not giving up on Emmanuel Forbes just yet because after all, he is a rookie. I don't want to be necessarily too harsh on him. And I don't want to take away what A.J. Brown did in that game. There's a reason why Philadelphia had no problem moving on and getting A.J. Brown to help out Jalen Hurts. And as well as uh, adding Devontae Smith. But we need some more dogs in that secondary in order for us, for Washington, to compete. Because you can't ask an awful lot from your defensive line. We're doing our part. The defensive line, they have to do their part getting after the quarterback and stopping the run. It would be nice for the defensive line for the secondaries to step up. And we're getting burnt. Not even a lie. We are absolutely getting burnt. So we really got to step it up with our secondary. And I'm going to put a lot of this on Ron Rivera and also Jack Del Rio. Ron Rivera, the head coach, and Jack Del Rio, the defensive coordinator. Ron Rivera is was a former defensive coordinator. He has a defensive mind. Defense is his expertise. This is on you, man. Your defense has been terrible this season and is not playing to the standard that we as Washington fans expected. The defense has been trash. Now, our offense, we I'm seeing way more potential with our offense than our defense. The reason what the reason why Washington was competitive last season, and we still are competitive. We still actually have a chance to make a spot within the playoffs, but we can't do that if our defense constantly is giving up too many points and our secondary is not doing their part. So I'm going to put a lot of this on Ron Rivera and also on Jack Del Rio as the defensive coordinator. They have to come up with better schemes. They're going to have to make adjustments in order for the defense to play better. Because what I'm seeing so far, sloppy. It's been sloppy. It's been bad. It's been awful. You're asking much more from our offense to um, step up especially with Sam Howell, given the fact that this is his first year as a starter, and with our offensive line as putrid and as bad as it is. I mean, come on, Ron Rivera. Come on, Jack Del Rio. You got to find a way to help out this defense. And I'm glad that um, I want to shout out to my boy Patrick L. Brown again. Please go follow him and his work. He does a great job on the Grid Network. He mentioned this on the Super Chat. For Chase Young playing in coverage, mind-boggling. Ron, to Ron Rivera and to Jack Del Rio, 
Sorry for me using profanity in the morning. But what the fuck were you thinking? Honestly, what the fuck were you thinking by allowing Chase Young to play in coverage against A.J. Brown? How stupid, how clueless, how dumb, how idiotic can you be? I'm sorry, I got to get into Ron Rivera, man. He's pissing me off. He has no idea what the hell he is doing. He has no idea what the hell he is doing. He is asleep of the wheel. He's clueless. Why, of all people, you put Chase Young to guard A.J. Brown? That's like in week one with the Miami Dolphins going up against the Los Angeles Chargers. You, I mean, Brandon Staley allowed Khalil Mack, who had a great game yesterday against the Las Vegas Raiders, had six sacks, give him major kudos. He had Khalil Mack. In the season opener against the Miami Dolphins, covering Tyreek Hill. Anyone knows for a fact that is dumb as fuck. Why of all people, why would you put Chase Young in that situation, Ron? Do you understand? Do you realize how ridiculous, how stupid that is? Why is Chase Young in coverage going up against A.J. Brown? Can you can you explain that to me? Do you have a hard time understanding? I mean, you can't process that through your mind? Ron Rivera is fucking clueless. He is literally fucking clueless. I I I mean what, what the fuck were you thinking? Of all people, you asked Chase Young, uh, go guard A.J. Brown. Why? 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 Because Chase Young is a physical freak and A.J. Brown is a physical freak. So in order to do that, hey, let me put one of my best defensive linemen, one of my best defensive players going up against a wide receiver. But in coverage? That don't make no fucking sense. It, it, it don't make no fucking sense whatsoever. So, Raw Man, I, I, I'm sorry. You clearly have no clue what the fuck were you thinking? You have no clue on what the fuck were you thinking. And I don't want to hear any justification for it. it. It cannot be justified. It cannot be explained. I don't want to hear anything from Ron Rivera. I don't care what word that comes out of his mouth. If he actually has any response to that whatsoever, I don't give a fuck. Anyone with a brain knows you're not supposed to put a defensive lineman in coverage against a wide receiver. Period. 
So, um, and speaking of Ron Rivera, I, I got much more. I got way much more. On the next takeaway, should Ron Rivera have gone for two? What do I mean by that? Late in the fourth quarter, I think it was like with five or three seconds left in the fourth quarter, Sam Howell connected with Jahan Dotson for the touchdown pass to put it 31-30 Philadelphia. Time expired. Eagles were up one point. You had a chance to go for two. Instead, you decided to take a conservative approach and you decided to go for the field goal. Now, I don't have a problem with you going for two or going for the extra point. Either way, it's up to you to decide what you want to do in that situation. But here's the problem that I have. And this is what Ron Rivera said in the press conference. When asked why he decided not to go for two, this is what Ron Rivera had to say. Yeah, there was consideration, but you know what? Those guys were gassed. They really were. It was a long drive. They were hurting. They were hustling. I really thought we had the chance, and that's too bad. This is exactly, this is an exact quote. This is what Ron Rivera had to say. Okay, Ron. Let's. Let's take Ron Rivera at his word. Okay. You admitted that your team was gassed in that game. It was a long, thought, competitive, nailed-to-the-wire game. Okay. I'm going to take Ron Rivera at his word that the team was gassed. Here's my problem, Ron. And again, I'm taking Ron Rivera at his word. I am not taking him out of context. If you acknowledge that your team was gassed. Why didn't you go for two? If you had gone for two, and if you were that concerned about your team's condition, whether you failed or whether you succeeded on the two-point conversion, the game would have been over. So why you decided not to go for two? If you were so concerned about your players' conditioning, why couldn't you go for two? I I have no idea. I I I, I can't sometimes for the like of me. I, I can't really understand what's going through Ron Rivera's mind. It's like this man becomes more and more clueless. As the day goes on. And this is the same Ron Rivera who said players were a little too concerned with Eric Bieniemy's intensity. Does he not even understand 
the things that come out of his mouth before he actually goes on the microphone and says what he says? Does he not think? I, I, I just don't get it with this dude. I mean, you're concerned about your players' conditioning. You admitted that the players were gassed, but you didn't go for two. Do I have a problem whether if he went for two or not? No, I, I really don't. Um, Because I felt like, you know what? If you went for two, even though, hey, some people may not have a problem with it, you know, go for it. And also, um, Pat said it himself. I got to give Pat this. Got to be aggressive and try to win, try to win a road game. Leave it on the field and live with the results. And Pat does make a compelling argument. You know, do the best that you can. Go for it. Play aggressive. Don't play scared. But but raw man. That's the best type of reason. That was your best reason why you decided not to go for two because your players were gassed, but you still allowed them to continue playing the game in overtime. Stop. And Patrick went further. He said, Ron let Philly off the hook. Those two points cost them the game, a hard fought game and being conservative hurt them. I think uh, Pat, what also cost us the game was our defense as well. Like I said, our defense the past three games have been giving up 30 points or more. We have given up 30 points per game on defense this season. This defense is not playing to what it was last season, and it's just been atrocious. It's just been atrocious. And but I and I, I agree with you with Ron Rivera. His decision making, his clock management, and which is why after this season, Ron Rivera must go he absolutely must leave after the season or even before the season is over because he has shown us this is as far as he can go he's getting up there in age anyway so i don't expect him to be our head coach for the foreseeable future And also why Eric Bieniemy should be the head coach. The reason why I hope Eric Bieniemy becomes a head coach for our future, not just because he's younger, is because he's more. He, even though I have my issues with Eric Bieniemy from time to time, I certainly had an issue with what he had in that Buffalo game. Eric Bieniemy is more aware with his decision making. He's more aware with what he does on the football field as far as with the play calls, as far as with the decision-making. Ron Rivera has no clue. And also the other problem I have with Ron Rivera, you're Riverboat Ron. You're Riverboat Ron. You earned that nickname going back to your days with the Carolina Panthers. And you chose not to go for it for two? That's not who you are. Given, given your reputation and your nickname. So, bottom line, Ron Rivera must go. He must go. He must leave. I have said it, and I've said it before, man, he, he's killing us. He's killing us with this team. He's killing us. He's just making me more frustrated. 
with his play calling, his clock management, his decision making, and his dumb, ridiculous press conferences. He continuously embarrasses himself. So uh, let me get into um, some super chats real quick. Uh, my boy Brandon, aka Arkansas Five Hundred One, appreciate you for um, your super chat, man. You picked the Commanders to win the game. I mean, it was a tough. I mean, it was a tough one. We had a chance to win the game. We did everything that we could. Our defense, what really let us down, Ron Rivera, dumb decision making, and our offensive line, man. It, it, it's just bad. It's just bad. It, it's really just bad. And then uh, Brandon, he said, don't stress. Don't stress. Grow. Y'all can still make it to the playoffs. I still see potential in Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, he also said they should have done a, did a QB sneak. And then he also said, if Kansas City can make trick plays, Washington commanders could have drawn up a trick play to make up that two-point conversion. Perhaps, I mean, you could actually make that argument, Brandon. I mean, we saw earlier in the game Eric Bieniemy draw up a great offensive play call that led to the touchdown to Curtis Samuel to give Washington the first lead of the game, seven to nothing. And um, Patrick said Philly was beatable. You don't march down the field and not cash in. Those players fought to the finish. Y'all got to keep pressing buttons, and Ron didn't push the right one. Yeah, and Ron doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. He's just clueless as it is. He's just clueless as it is. Now, my other take in the game. Was it a catch? I'm referring to the Terry McLaurin play in overtime in which the previous call was an incompletion. I don't think it was a catch. To be honest, as a Commanders fan, I don't think it was a catch. If you look at the replay, there wasn't enough evidence to overturn the previous call, which was incompletion. And again, according to the rules, if there's enough evidence to show the, to over uh, to overturn the play, then you can do that. And look, I'll give Ron Rivera credit for this. He did say, um, this is what he was told by officials about the Terry McLaurin non-catch call. He said, the explanation I got was that they couldn't see it clear enough. And because there was no definitive catch, you couldn't, over, you couldn't overrule it according to the rules. So they did it by the book, and you have to respect that they did it by the book. And um, McLaurin took some responsibility for the play. He even admitted that he was trying to move his foot back to keep himself inbounds. But um, Blankenship, the defensive player, um, his arm got in the way of that. He made a great defensive play. So, look, whether incomplete. Uh, so, I honestly thought I didn't have a problem with the play call. I did not have a problem with the refs going by incompletion. Do I think that play cost us the game? I don't think so. I don't think it cost us the game. What cost us the game was defense, particularly that third and 17, in which we allowed the Eagles to gain at least nine, eight yards 
and put Jake Elliott in a position to hit the game-winning field goal. If it were like a 4th and 16, 4th and 15, or an incompletion, Jake Elliott would have a difficult time hitting a 60-plus yard field goal. But Jake Elliott, we've seen him hit game-winning field goals before. He's known for doing this type of stuff. So I knew the moment when 3rd and 17, it was moved to like 4th and 8, 4th and 7 or whatever. And when Jake Elliott had a 54-yard field goal attempt, in which before that kick, I think in field goals, 50 yards or more, he was 3 and 4. I knew from the get-go he was going to cash it in. So I knew he was going to hit the game-winning field goal because he's known for hitting field goals like this before. I don't think the Terry McLaurin play cost us the game. They, The NFL, the referees went by the letter of the law. They went by the rules. I don't think there was enough evidence to overturn the rule. So I'm not going to be mad at that. Another take I want to talk about, because the episode, the name of the episode is Moral Victory. Do I look at it as a moral victory for the commanders? Because prior to the game, Philadelphia was the favorites to win. Philadelphia was an eight-point favorites to win. And they barely won the game. And yes, Patrick mentioned several times, Philly, they should have lost this game. And if you look at Philly so far this season, yes, they're 4-0, but there have been times this season they could they could have lost a couple of games. They could have lost to the Patriots. They could have lost to the Vikings. You know, their most convincing win, I think, this season was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday night. Even though Jalen Hurts, and I got to give Jalen Hurts a lot of credit, and he played um, excellent. Best game of the season so far, 25 of 37, 319 yards, two touchdowns, um, a 112.3 pass rating, a QBR of 69.6. Jalen Hurts yesterday played like the Jalen Hurts we saw all last season. Do I look at this as a moral victory? No. I look at it as the fact that we didn't get the job done. We still didn't get the job done. As much as I give credit for my team for competing and doing everything they can, the bottom line was, did we pull away with the victory? And the answer is no. Ron Rivera doesn't believe in moral victories. The team doesn't believe in moral victories. The only standard we uh, we believe in is wins and losses. Did we do enough to win the game? No. So um, Washington, they're going to have to forget to uh, move on from this loss because in three days, in three days, we have to go up against the Chicago Bears. Who blew a 21-point lead against the Denver Broncos yesterday. And Justin Fields, before those last couple of turnovers, was playing the game of his life. Matter of fact, this was the first time he threw for over 300 yards, and the Bears lost that one. I will have a lot to say for the Commander's prediction, on the Commander's Bears prediction. I'll probably do a podcast either tomorrow or early Wednesday. But if the Commander's, if they lose this one against the Bears, I'm going to have an awful lot to say regarding that.
And the game is going to be nationally televised Thursday night football on Amazon Prime. Commanders, if you can't find a way to win this one against the Bears, all I'm going to say is I got an awful lot to fucking say. So, Washington, no, no moral victories. You can, I mean, other fans could look at it as moral victory because of the potential this team has, especially offensively. I think Eric Bieniemy did a much better job running the football more and with his play calling. I think the offense did a better job stepping up compared to last week against Buffalo. We definitely did our part taking care of the football, moving the football. Still, it wasn't enough. I look at it and say this team has potential, but it still has more areas that we have to improve. So anyway, folks, that concludes the rest of the Commander's Demand episode. I appreciate everyone for hopping in. I appreciate um, my boys Patrick and Bryson from the Grid Network on the Super Chat. I also want to appreciate um, other people for hopping on in the Super Chat and giving y'all opinion of the game. Um, Again, either tomorrow or Wednesday, I will do my predictions for the Commanders versus Bears game. And um, I will have an awful lot to say about that if the Commanders lose. There should be absolutely no excuse for the Commanders to lose this one. So anyway, folks. It's your boy Sports PSP. You know where to find me. Please go like and subscribe to my YouTube channel as well as my IG Sports PSP as well as TikTok. Also, please go like and subscribe to the Grid Network. Um, we got a lot of great talent, especially um, my boy Bryson, his podcast, Carving Up Podcast. I think it's on every Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go check him out. Go also check out the 8 o'clock show every Tuesday nights at 8 p.m., as well as check out the other great guys who do their content on the Grid Network. So again, folks, it's your boy Sports PSP. Hope y'all enjoying the rest of y'all day, and God bless.